Hi, you're listening to Cool Chats, the Cool Choir podcast, profiling the personal lives of our members across Calgary, Western Canada. You can find more information on Cool Choir by visiting coolchoir.com or at our public Facebook page by searching Cool Choir. Thanks for listening. Cool Choir is a group of all-inclusive adult rock-pop choirs across the city, which once welcomed over 500 people singing across multiple locations weekly before the historic COVID-19 pandemic hit the world in March of 2020. It's September 2021, and fast forward after a year of being unable to sing together in the same room, Cool Choir is preparing to return to in-person rehearsals in a few days. With a wealth of information online for the general public to access regarding the health, safety and science of COVID-19, this comes with an equal level of misleading medical information too. Today, I'm very pleased to have the opportunity to put some questions directly to an experienced general practitioner, Dr Zabal, about best practices for keeping ourselves as safe as possible while returning to enjoying activities like singing once again. Before we start our discussion, I would like to start by providing a brief background on Dr Zabal. Dr Zabal completed his family medicine residency training at the University of Calgary between 2012 and 2014. He then pursued further training and obtained his Certificate of Added Competency in Care of the Elderly in 2015. Dr Zabal specialises in care of the elderly at the Comprehensive Community Care Programme, a long-term care and in assisted living facilities. He also maintains a small family medicine practice at the MCI Doctors' Office Clinic. Additionally, Dr Zabal is the medical director for two long-term care facilities and the site lead medical for five long-term care facilities in Calgary. During the second wave of COVID-19, he was one of the main physicians who treated COVID-19 patients in an outbreak facility. Dr Zabal, welcome to the podcast. It's my pleasure being here today to answer some questions for you, Jamie. Thank you for joining us. And you mentioned questions there. Now, um, leading up to this uh, arranging of this podcast, we have had um, a series of questions uh, about the future of COVID-19 in general and of course specifically to how our members should or shouldn't be feeling with regarding um, safety of singing especially. And we're going to start with a question today straight off um, that we have a a question um, from a a fellow choir director actually and she's concerned that basically she has uh, choir members that have not sung for so long um, and now they're going to be returning to in-person rehearsals and she's concerned that these people who have not sung for for all this length of time they're now going to come back to our rehearsals um, and they're going to be singing but now wearing a face mask Um, so do you feel there are any particularly medical concerns uh, that that singers should be aware of um, with regard to uh, whether maybe their lung functions have decreased or uh, any other issues to maybe be thinking about um, as we return to our in-person rehearsals um There is a two-part answer to this question. Um, If I understand correctly, the first uh, part is about whether someone is physically fit to do the act of singing. Uh, For every activity we do, there is a certain amount of energy and oxygen that we consume. And we call this um, the metabolic equivalent of TASC or MAT or MET. Um, the mid value of slow walking or um, uh, lighthouse work like um, washing dishes or cooking is very similar to singing. 
uh, it's about two. So if you're able to walk slowly to finish three kilometers in one hour and do some lighthouse work, you should be able to sink. The second part of this question would be about uh, wearing mask while singing. And healthcare workers have worn masks for many years for extended times without any negative health concerns. There is no evidence that wearing a mask would uh, decrease the level of oxygen in our blood. The mask may make it feel like it's more work to take a breath in, um, but the mask itself does not change the makeup of air that comes through it. Regardless, if anyone experiences any symptoms or discomfort because of any activity, they should seek um, appropriate medical evaluation. That makes sense. Now, obviously, you've talked about masking there, um, which is very important at this time. Can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of masking and social distancing at this time? Yes, uh, both have become very important and necessary again. The surge in COVID-19 cases needs to stop. We cannot continue averaging more than a thousand cases a day. Our hospitals are overwhelmed now. Our healthcare workers are under immense pressure. But why this sudden stop to our transition to normalcy? And it's because of the vaccine hesitancy. In 2021, in every 100 cases of COVID, 92 individuals were unvaccinated. In every 100 cases of hospitalizations, 90 individuals were unvaccinated. And in every 100 cases of COVID deaths, 85 individuals were unvaccinated. So with the vaccinations rates that we have now and hitting this fourth wave, these measures have become necessary again. The best way to prevent COVID-19 is still the vaccination. Um, but having the surge in COVID-19 have made some measures become necessary again. Even some physicians and experts uh, wanted to continue these measures because of what then was called the anticipated severe fourth wave. And it's sort of kind of come to that in some shape or form. Unfortunately, it's <laughs> come to that. Uh, and obviously, you know, you're talking about um, the importance of the vaccine, vaccine and there's a bit of a divide going on at the moment with various businesses various organizations various companies as I know for myself um, you know it was a decision that I didn't take lightly but I did have to take the decision to mandate vaccinations for all of my members of my choir um, do you feel that um, you know mandating vaccinations uh, for in in businesses and like mine and companies etc um, is that is that as important as people think it is? Uh, fully vaccinated individuals are less likely to get infected. In Alberta, the vaccine effectiveness uh, for Pfizer is uh, 90% and for Moderna is 92% and for AstraZeneca is 88%. And the effectiveness for the Delta variant is a slightly lower, 85%. Uh, but the effectiveness against severe COVID and hospitalizations from the Delta variant remains high and 
is um, comparable to the protection against the Alpha variant or the UK variant that was identified in December. Um, breakthrough infections in fully vaccinated individuals can still happen because the vaccine effectiveness is not 100%. But are vaccinated individuals safer than unvaccinated individuals? The answer is yes. Will unvaccinated individuals um, contact COVID? With the rate of vaccine that we have now and this high transmissible Delta virus, it is very difficult to reach herd immunity now. So the answer is yes, most likely unvaccinated individuals will contact COVID. And I suppose with the Delta variant now, which is an added battle for us all, and I, I think about our rehearsals um, a year ago, and we, you know, we, I was quite proud of the fact that we were able to maintain eight weeks of in-person rehearsals with everybody masked and socially distanced. And um, unlike some other choirs around the world, um, we actually managed to avoid any kind of outbreak. Um, and I just wonder now, with the Delta to variant around, um, you know, how compromised is are we this year, even though I know in my particular demographic, um, which tends to be sort of, well, 40 and up, really, um, most people are vaccinated fully. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Delta variant can compromise this. Um, viruses and COVID in change and mutate to survive. And the new variants, when they emerged, they became more transmissible. If we go back to the original COVID strain, the number of people that uh, can be expected to contact COVID from one infected person was about two or three individuals. Then when the Alpha variant or the UK variant came, this number increased to three or four, the 50% increase in transmission. The Delta variant is even more transmissible. Um, the US CDC estimated that one person infected with the Delta variant can transmit the virus to five or eight other people. So with the Delta variant being more transmissible and the vaccine is slightly less effective against it, that can compromise this theory. Now we've all, um, well, when, the, when this all happened, I suppose in March 2020, um, it was a long or a short time for some before we came in touch with people we knew personally who um, had passed away from, from COVID-19. And then there was this sort of myth that grew as we went along that, um, you know, only people over a certain age, particularly seniors, um, seemed to be most susceptible to passing away from COVID-19. However, um, I notice, obviously in the last year or so um, that there's actually been a real range of age groups impacted over the last, you know, 18 months from COVID. But, but how do people actually pass away from COVID? COVID is an ST virus and the suffering that many patients endure is something that we wouldn't want any of our loved ones or anyone to go through. 
when COVID enters the cell, it releases its RNA. And, and yes, infected people with COVID are exposed to dangerous viral RNA. And this RNA hijacks the, the cells and it makes it um, make more virus and replicate itself. And many times while it's doing this, it changes and mutates. This is how the new variants emerged. And it's very possible in the future, while it's replicating itself, it can change again. And what we worry about is a more aggressive or more deadly variant uh, would emerge, not just a more transmissible variant. What happens to uh, patients who have severe COVID? Uh, Obviously, their lungs become inflamed. Um, the alveoli or the air sacs in the lungs collapse. They become short of breath. Their oxygen level drops. Uh, Many times they feel like they are drowning. Um, When the inflammation is severe and becomes a general, a septic shock could happen. Um, Blood pressure would drop. Vital organs will start to fail. Kidneys will shut down. Toxins will rise in the blood. Um, body swells up with fluids and sometimes the liver starts to secrete uh, large amounts of fibrinogen and acute phase reactants and clots start to occur. You s- now you see this mainly in unvaccinated patients. So if we're going to put a little bit of a, a positive spin on some of the things that you've talked about today, one of the statements that stands out in my mind that you mentioned is that um, we talk about this, you know, how people pass away from COVID and the statistics seem to very much point towards people who are uh, unvaccinated as opposed to uh, vaccinated. And we had a, a, a final question that, that, that came in uh, for the podcast. Um, I know it's very difficult to predict this for anybody's predict this, but it's a very simple, rather open question. Do we have any idea of when this madness may come to some kind of come kind of end? <laughs> <laughs> there are many factors that will affect this. Um, what our vaccination rate will be, what the vaccination rate in other countries will be with the opening of borders. Will new variants emerge? Um, what will happen to our immunity, whether it's a natural immunity or the vaccine-mediated immunity? There may be signs of waning of immunity. Uh, what could um, the, the booster vaccines, the rolling out of booster vaccines, would there be any challenges with this? If we had just dealt with um, the original COVID-19, with the vaccination rate that we have now, the 59.7%, I think, we would have had herd immunity by now. But that's when the original strain, the transmission from one infected person, went to another two or three individuals. But now with the Delta variant, with one person infected, transmitting the virus to five or eight other people, made it harder to reach herd immunity. Now the vaccination rate that we need to reach herd immunity is more than 90%. The question is, can we reach this rate? 
Well, that remains to be seen. And I do want to say a huge and heartfelt thank you for joining us on the podcast today, Dr. Zabal. And I hope uh, our listeners have found this very informative. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for tuning in to Cool Chats today. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for our next episode, profiling the lives of our beautiful cool choir community across Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Until then, sing loud and proud, everyone.